Welcome to the Fast Forward Podcast, a series dedicated to answering the challenges that keep entrepreneurs awake at night. I'm your host, Patricia Keating. Inspiration for a new business can really come from anywhere, but not many startups can say that their idea was sparked by gun and gang violence in El Salvador. But my guest today was motivated by exactly that. Violence potentially inspired music for pets, nicknamed Petflix, uh, which produces soothing music for cats and dogs. Aman Ahmed, good afternoon. Afternoon. You've put your last £1,000 into an idea that grew it to a seven-figure business. So we're really excited to hear how you've managed to do that. Yeah, excited to share it. So on the face of it, Music for Pet, it sounds like a bit of a bonkers <laughs> idea. <Yeah. laughs> um, but when did you realise the effect that music therapy had on pets? It came for... A fairly unusual experience. Could you tell us a bit about it? Yeah, yeah, an unusual experience. Well, um, I think at the time I was working on um, like music to help people sleep and relax and I was stumbled across some research for music therapy for pets and Mm -hmm. I started looking into it a bit further. And um, at the time, the business really didn't have much money, so my music producer was... um, was based in El Salvador and his cat and dog got noise anxiety um, but from gun violence and police sirens mm. because it's run by the most notorious gang, um, MS-13. Mm-hmm. And so he was a talented music producer and I had the research and there was a problem for his cat and dog with the noise anxiety, so we put two together and started producing content to help relax his cat and dog. So was he doing the music production for for the previous round wave? Correct. Yeah. How did you come across him? That's a pretty unusual... I'm sure there's a few music producers around the UK that might have... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's the thing. Music producers around the UK are very expensive. Um, yeah. he, I, when I first started out, I didn't have much money. Mm-hmm. And... I went on Odesk at the time and mm-hmm. just started chatting to freelancers and I literally went for the cheapest music producer I could find. Um, and luckily with Ricardo, we, we just started vibing. Yeah. And, um, and he was really interested in the project and was willing to do a lot of things for free. Yeah. Um, and I, I had the vision. And um, it was the same with my developers in India. Literally didn't have much money, so I had mm. to kind of uh, smooth talk my way and delay a few things and get people to buy into the vision. Yeah. And that, you know, that bought me some time and then slowly things just started picking up from there. And what is Odesk? I've never heard of that before. So Odesk is now, um, I think it's now called Upwork. It, okay. Those two, yeah. yeah, it was Odesk and Elance and then they merged and became Upwork. So that was how you kind of, it was the research and the combination of um, Ricardo's own personal pet experience. Um, so how did you take that idea to start building out a concept and then ultimately a business? Um, 
I think for us, what we did is um, we just started producing music and and Ricardo tried it on his cat and dog and, um, you know, when there was like police sirens in his neighbourhood, um, he was using the music and it seemed to like have maybe a little bit of an effect. So we thought, oh, you know, this is slowly working. And then it was just constant just feedback loop, mm. tweaking the content and then we put it on YouTube and then uh, people started picking up on it purely because it was a crazy concept. And I think because it was a crazy concept, they wanted to buy into it a bit further. Mm. And then, um, yeah, slowly from there, they started giving us feedback. And we just iterated. Yeah. And and that's that's the approach we've taken, what, seven years down the line? It's just constant feedback. Yeah. People tell us what works, what doesn't work, and we're able to craft a formula that yeah. way. So you've been collecting data, really, for seven years? Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, we had uh, Henry Eagle Srotis in um, a few weeks ago and talking about sort of how valuable that is in terms of driving your, your business decisions. So you've got very extremely good grounding there. Yeah, definitely. So you've, you've been going for seven years and you've really um, established a very well-recognised brand now on, on YouTube. And I think are you, you're definitely over a million subscribers night yeah so i think was it last year on all our platforms so does mm-hmm. youtube the spotify does every music streaming service uh we're on every connected tv device from okay. roku amazon fire apple tv and um and we are a subscription so we're on iphone android mm-hmm. um but last year 2018 20 million cats and dogs consumed content on relax my dog and relax my cat and they are now consuming an average of 650 years of content every month. So in dog years? No, no, in, in human years, <laughs> okay. yeah. Six and a half centuries of human years yeah. of content is being consumed every month uh, on all the platforms that we're distributed on combined. That's, it's phenomenal. Like It really is um, such an amazing um, journey that you that you're on. But you've actually not take an investment to do this. Um, you've, you've done this all yourself. Yeah. Um, I can't imagine how, how difficult that has been. Can you tell us how, what that's what, been like? Do you know what's really interesting? And you'll probably ask me questions about my other startup, but mm. being self-funded is actually, it's more fun than raising money. Yeah. Um, you know, to be honest, like I raise money from my customers. Uh, if, if you want to raise money as a startup, raise money from your customers. Simple as. Now, what do you mean by that? In the sense that they, if your product is that good, mm. they'll pay you for it. Um, and and that, that's, that's, you know, the market decides at the end of the day. What it's worth. Yeah, what it's worth. And um, I think because I've been self-funded and the business model, I've built the business model in a very lean and automated way. Yeah. Um, it's always been a low cost approach. It, it's been, it, it's super exciting because it allows you to think when you don't have much money, like how to, how to scale, how to grow. Yeah. Um, and it's all down to you. You don't have investors to answer to your management reports or what, yeah. all the other crap that you have to do. Well, that's it. Yeah. That's what they, uh, they say is that you spend all your time then. Try, you know, instead of building a business, you're trying to raise investment and then answering, becoming an employer. Literally, yeah, that's it. And or an employee. You, an employee, yeah. And, um, you know, I'm very fortunate that this is something that has now put me in a, a very good position uh, financially. 
Um, so it's, it's been worth the grind for sure. So it's, it's been getting a lot of attraction from consumers, people who are very passionate about their pets, which are typically just another member of the family quite often. And I know that I sent you um, an Instagram post of my uh, sister's dog that I brought into UK Fast here who was having quite a lot of anxiety and put music for pets on it and genuinely did calm her down, which was so <laughs> fascinating to watch. So it seems to have attracted uh, quite a lot of attention in the in the media and the press recently uh, mm-hmm. in particular, but that seems to be growing. Uh, like almost every week I see you posting new new articles. So tell us a bit about that. How, how are you getting that? Because a lot of entrepreneurs listening will be looking for that same kind of profile. For press, yeah. Um, do you know what's interesting? I think if your product is good enough, press will come to you. Um, I've not really been chasing hmm. without sounding arrogant or... Well, tell us a bit about very, some of the ones that have actually been in touch and that you've had, because you've got some really nice publications recently. Tell us yeah. about who you've covered you. Um, so we've had uh, Forbes, uh, Mashable, mm-hmm. um, Yahoo Styles, Bustle, and then uh, SBS Australia. And, and most of them have just like either reached out to me on Twitter um, saying, I think, for example, Mashable, mm-hmm. they said that um, we were looking for dog-related content and Relax My Dog just kept on com- coming up in my face. Yeah. So I had to check it out and see what it was about. And then he tried it and he was very sceptical. And then he was like, wow, this is, this is crazy. It actually and how worked. did he try it out? He tried it on his dog. Yeah. Um, I think he actually made it. There's a video in the Mashable article yeah. as well. And... Um, and yeah, he just just reached reached out to us, and it was the same with uh, SBS Australia. They um, were just kind of researching. We kept on cropping up, and they just contacted contacted me on Twitter, and then and that was it from there. It's phenomenal. And then, do you see, you know, when that happens? So we talk about the Australia example, for example. Do you see, or can you track in terms of the user? Um, subscriptions and can you see spikes in that and is there a correlation between things like that yeah so for us i think the pr thing is more just for awareness and backlinks Mm -hmm. uh to the website but for example we were in the guardian on bonfire night weekend yes and i think that was probably the most shared article that weekend Mm -hmm. and that got us a lot of subscribers to our petflix uh subscription Mm -hmm. Um, but then on the back of that, it was Diwali, and then we were in the biggest newspaper in India, Hin- mm-hmm. the Hindustan Times, uh, because of how attitudes are changing towards pet ownership in South Asia. Mm-hmm. And then off the back of that, um, Saudi Arabia, <laughs> the biggest newspaper in Saudi Arabia, yeah. which was, uh, it was it was interesting, and um, it was good. It shows that like in these in these countries now, the, um, the view towards pet ownership is changing. What and was it before? Tell us a bit about that. I would say like, so I'm originally Pakistani and, mm-hmm. you know, in these countries, pets are seen as street animals or okay. just like dirty animals. Yeah. yeah. Um, but now I'm seeing it even in Pakistan, like yeah. we're going to get a fan, fan base there. And it, it's just changed. It's just becoming very Western. Yeah. Um, as wealth improves. As wealth improves, as the middle class improves. And it's the same in Colombia. Um, the biggest newspaper in Colombia, El Tiempo, mm-hmm. wrote about us. 
And uh, it was the same thing. Obviously, Colombia has its history, uh, but now the wealth in the middle class is growing and pet ownership is becoming, you know, quite a normal thing. Uh, And then I think, what else was there? The biggest newspaper in Sao Paulo wrote about us, Bolivia, Mexico, and then obviously uh, the US. Um, So, yeah, it's exciting. It must be crazy when you get up in the morning, you check your emails and you're like, oh, right, okay. So there's like, where's the craziest country? I know they all sound crazy, by the way. <laughs> so crazy. But um, what's just been the wow, say, we've got up the next day and went, whoa. I, I would say Saudi, Saudi Arabia. Um, I just mm. never thought that they would be, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, obviously in the media, it has, you know, a different, different view from the outside. But um, yeah, I thought when I hit a country like that, yeah. It's it's exciting. Pretty cool. Yeah. So you're you're truly global. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got teams all over the. You've got four locations for the business mm-hmm. already. Um, how have you gone about managing that? Because you you mentioned how lean you're keeping the company. That's you've attested to a few reasons why you've gone to those locations. Yeah. Um, and that's a sign of you know great entrepreneur in terms of thinking outside the box. But yeah. it's also a challenge to manage remotely. Tell us how you about doing that um do you know what's interesting it's actually not that much of a challenge to manage remotely so when i first went into business the one book that changed everything for me was tim ferris the four hour work week yeah and and because of that that led into a lot of things of building a business that is purely systematic where so, for example, my producer and Ricardo, mm-hmm. uh, Ricardo in El Salvador, I'm like, right, this month we're going to try reggae music for dogs. <laughs> and I want to be on one of those teams. And you're like, let, let's just give it a try. And then uh, because there was actually some research, I think um, some charity in Scotland did some research. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I want to be number one in this area. Um, so... He we did a bit. Of, he did a bit of his own research, and then started putting some samples together, and then and then that's it. Like, it, you know, what's really crazy is that me and Ricardo have been working together since 2010, mm-hmm. and we've only ever spoke five times. Get away! <laughs> have you ever met? We've never met. Oh, I'd never got to. Uh, like go face to face, you've never met him. He's in El Salvador. That's a bit I know, risky but like, to go there's there. There's flights there. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but That's then mad. there's also a high chance of getting kidnapped. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Okay, but he can come to the UK. <laughs> yeah. But so, that's, that's unbelievable. You know, well, it's, it's not unbelievable, but it's... Yeah, so we've only ever had like, only ever had like maybe five phone conversations. And then only recently when we were in Forbes, we exchanged a few like uh, WhatsApp voice messages but other than that it's all it's always on slack right this is the plan for this month and it's just very like systematically driven yeah it's the same with my developers in india but she's a woman Bay ricardo's a woman and you've been catfished this entire <laughs> <laughs> he's actually not we're, we're friends on facebook so i know i know he's, I know he's a legit guy sure is. Uh, <laughs> it's a legit guy. ricardo we know the truth <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> but um maybe i'll i'll try and meet him um, no, don't. don't. It sounds like it's working. At some point, <laughs> don't, yeah. don't listen no, to my advice. I want, I want to go to uh, Guatemala, which yeah. is next to El Salvador and slightly safer. 
and um, he's only... 2% for... less chance of being kidnapped. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, luckily I have that Latino tan, so I might fit in. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, so with the developers in India, um, it's the same approach. And that's the thing, a lot of people outsource because it's cheaper, but yeah. it's, you need to know how to speak um, to developers in, for example, India, like... Yeah. It's a very different approach to how it is here in the UK. And what do you mean by that? Because that's a really important... It, it, once again, it's a very systematic approach. Mm-hmm. So everything has to be down to that one piece of detail. The best analogy is like you, you give a developer in India um, a drawing of a car and mm-hmm. a car has square wheels. They'll make you that car with square wheels. They won't tell you, oh... The wheels are square. Yeah. Um, so that that's. The... But you'll have assumed that they should have known that yeah, wheels yeah. are not. It's just a bad drawing. They <laughs> exactly. Have made yeah. Right. Okay. So so that's so, so quite that's... literal. Sorry. Quite literal. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, everything has to be like literally down to the point. Um, but I guess because I've been outsourcing from day one, hmm. um, that's just how I how I like to work. And have you then... made any mistakes along the way? Oh yeah, loads. <laughs> loads um i can't even think of any but quite quite a lot so it sounds like the the whole remote working and managing that has been something that's come intuitively well to you because you've been doing it from the get-go so if we think about Pletflix, what has been or is your current um challenge biggest challenge yeah. to date? So the biggest challenge now for us is um, our subscription platform mm-hmm. uh, because people are pressing play and going to work as consuming a lot of bandwidth. Right. And, um, and because we've built, we've basically built Netflix from, for pets from the ground up, mm. uh, which probably would have cost like 100000 and I managed to do it maybe for like 10, 20. Um, and just by outsourcing and being you know, quite clever. And one of the things we're doing now is just figuring out how to scale that subscription side of the business uh, and at the same time reducing the burn mm. uh, on, the, on the bandwidth. And, um, there's but a... it's people leaving it on for their pets when their work is not that... Is that not what you want them to do? I thought, it, no, that's not what you want them to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cause, uh, because they're paying four ninety nine a month yeah. for the subscription. So obviously there's no ads, so they just press play and, and go to work. Um, and we, we want them to do that. And this is why the consumption is so high. But it's interesting, actually. There's not many companies out there that um, have a back-end solution for like hosting or servers uh, for long-form content. So we've built it all from the ground up. Yeah. And... Um, and now we're scaling that very slowly, but managing the burn yeah. on the on the bandwidth. So that's that's a big challenge for us. And um, so, if we look at other types of businesses um, uh, that are doing streaming content all the time, are there non-pet examples that do it? And are they do they have solutions, or how do they do it? Like I'm just thinking about the, like all the sort of TV, you know, yeah, Netflix. <laughs> Yeah, there, there, there are solutions out there. Obviously, Netflix um, makes sense because, or anything that humans watch, because yeah. the we average watch. watch time is like two hours, whereas our average watch time is 10 okay. per user. Okay. So it all ends up adding, well, per pet, yeah. and it all ends up adding up. Um, so therefore, you know, it's a, it's a different thing. But there, there are, so, so basically, 
uh, the way YouTube is moving and, uh, you know, people, the gold mine of YouTube is, is slowly fizz, fizzling out. So what's happening now is um, everyone is creating their own Netflix out of a box. And there's very few companies that offer that. Yeah. Uh, Vimeo offers it. So Vimeo is my current provider for my back end. Yeah. I don't use their full Netflix out of a box solution, but I just use their servers. Um, and I think that's the way it's going to move. So it's a huge market uh, opportunity for anyone listening to, to jump into is the way creators, individual creators are going to move forward is that they're not going to monetize from ads anymore. They're going to monetize from their own Netflix out of a box okay. subscription. Interesting. So it sounds like it's a, it's a big challenge, but it's an exciting one because it's just simply going to allow you to to scale. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's let's go um, back beyond seven years. Um, yeah. And it sounds like you're on such a, you know, a stratospheric um, yeah. sort of uh, pathway Actually, now. But- can I just say one thing? Yeah. Is because um, you, you, you'll probably ask um, one advice for like entrepreneurs. Um, but this one just kind of came into my head. So this Petflix thing is actually like very expensive um, to grow. Mm -hmm. But um, instead of like raising money, I'm fortunate because I've, in a sense, have money coming from other places of the business to fund that. Mm -hmm. So, um, because I get asked this by a lot of entrepreneurs, I want to raise, I want to raise. But to be honest, it's probably better to take it slower and, and create easier revenue streams first to then fund something that you're going to raise for that you don't actually need to raise for now. Yeah. And that's kind of put me in a, in a fortunate position. But, um, yeah, in a sense, don't look at other ways of monetizing or easier ways of monetizing your business or even creating side hustles attached to your business to then fund the yeah. main thing rather than jumping into raising. I think because raisin is almost like it, people seem to think it's a silver bullet. It's, yeah, it's, it's just, a cool thing to do. Yeah, yeah but yeah. it's actually if you can do it, but it's the energy and the resources you put into it. But actually, what you need is a hundred lead bullets to build yeah. your business. Exactly. You know, yeah, battering away at it and learning as you as you go, and then yeah. I think the funders will eventually come come to you. Exactly. That's Have right. funders approached you? Um, a few, but. Um, I'm waiting for them to pitch to me. Mm. <laughs> Send me their pitch deck. Yeah. Um, no, but in, but in all honesty, like, yeah, funders have approached me, but I just have, I have more than enough money to execute on what I need to do. Um, at the pace that you want to do it. At the pace that I want to do it. So I don't need mm. external money right now. So Petflix is on a stratospheric rise to uh, the moon and the stars and beyond from the signs of it. But um, this isn't your first venture into business and it uh, perhaps hasn't been as, uh, as a starry ride. Um, you had a previous company, Roarmix. Could mm-hmm. you tell us a bit about it? What happened and ultimately, I believe, why did it fail? Why did it fail, yeah. So, um, so Roar, uh, Roarmix was kind of like... Um, Vimeo, uh, but for independent music videos. So a way of discovering up-and-coming talent in the form of music video uh, form. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it was doing well. Like, um, once again, because uh, Relax My Dog, Relax My Cat was a side hustle, it was, it was earning a nice enough uh, lifestyle income for me to 
experiment with mm-hmm. other things. And um, so Raw Mix was one of them. And then I kind of saw the potential and the gap in the market uh, when it comes to discovering new content. SoundCloud is a mess. Um, YouTube is a mess. And we wanted to be that area where we could create curated um, uh, a way of discovering uh, music videos. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it was an app. Um, and it was growing nicely at a nice pace. Um, and then we raised money. Uh, why from, did you raise money at that point? When, when did you make that decision to do it? And why? So do you know what, like looking back, I raised money because I was jumping on the hype. Cause I thought that is the only way to be successful is to raise money and and uh, maybe I got caught up too much in reading TechCrunch, <laughs> <laughs> where like everyone yeah. raises money and it's probably the easiest thing to do. Um, but yeah, I raised money because that's what I thought you had to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of got caught up in the in the hype. Um, there was hype around Rormex though as well, wasn't there? Because I know when even when I first came to Manchester a couple of years ago, yeah, um, a couple of people before we met told me that Rormex had the potential to be like one of Manchester's next big things. Before obviously what you're about to tell us, but yeah. there was quite a, hi- a lot of hype around it. You were getting a lot of traction in America and things, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. There, there was a lot of hype. It was crazy because like a lot of artists that went onto Raw Mix ended up becoming big artists, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of commercial artists started submitting uh, content onto Raw Mix as well, and um, and it, it was doing well. Like we also getting a lot of pr- press coverage, so. We were in like Forbes and Billboard and Mashable and Wired and the Sunday Times and and then there was a lot of partnerships that we were doing as well as the app. We were we had a raw mix music video channel in maybe seven hundred gyms across the UK, mm-hmm. um, and then we were in talks with uh, P Diddy's TV network Revolt TV, <laughs> which was a which was an experience because at the time I remember like we were very close to doing a deal and. I think that was at his conference when we were in, um, I was in Miami at the time. And yeah, we were going to integrate with uh, Revolt TV, which was his TV network. And then uh, I got introduced to Evan Spiegel, the founder of Snapchat. And I think at the time, I think he, he got announced as the youngest billionaire in the world. And he was very into, uh, very into his music. I think maybe he was dating Taylor Swift at the time as well because he wanted to buy her record label. So he wanted to integrate... How romantic. Yeah, he wanted to... <laughs> exactly, yeah. On Valentine's Day. <laughs> exactly. Hey, I'm going to buy your record, buy your record, record label. label. darling. But um, I think at the time, Snapchat was focusing on some sort of music strategy. And um, I got introduced to some of the heads of Snapchat and we had a call. And then I had a call with Evan Spiegel himself. Uh, which was crazy and um and it was exciting and i remember getting like a a contract or nda or something from snapchat and um yeah we had a had a lot of potential we had a lot of potential but it got political (laughs) so at what point did you take investment on that sort of like in that what you've just described had investment be taken or did you take it after like so it was so we took investment i think maybe i think it was 2013 14 and then there was a lot like it was venture capital investment and then we also had like uh angel investors that kind of jumped on board 
and um and then a few like funds here and there yeah um so the investment was like progressive over that time yeah um uh and then just a few like tax credits innovation funds yeah etc etc so it was just kind of staggered over time but how did that change how you were sort of developing Roar Mix then? Because obviously then you've got a lot more voices. In the yeah, business. got a lot more voices, um, which is uh, can become quite interesting. Um, yeah, so a lot more voices of uh, you, your employees and your co-founders all have equity and have a say. And um, yeah, I think how did it change is that at one point, I felt like I just wasn't running a business. I was running other people's shit. <laughs> like, literally <laughs> just listening to other people, yeah. uh, other people's opinions. Yeah. And one thing is that in business, like, it can never be a democracy. Um, in a sense that I was trying to make everyone happy. Mm-hmm. and And by doing that, it was literally going nowhere. Um, which was a shame because the, the concept and the business and the potential was was doing quite well, but I was just um, managing people. And, uh, and by managed, people, you mean the stakeholders? All the stakeholders, yeah, and, and, and listening to people as well because, and this is purely like my mistake, um, it's just I wasn't an assertive leader at the time. I didn't know what I was doing. And, um, for example, like an investor would give me money and then I'd spend three hours listening to his crappy ideas. I feel like I literally don't want to listen to this shit whatsoever. <laughs> like, but um, I have to entertain it because he yeah. gave me 100 grand. So I was like, oh, fuck's sake, I have to go through this. And, um, but if I, if I was to do it again, I'd be like, cool, you give me the money. Don't talk to me. I'm building a business. I don't want to hear from you. But if you I was to have, do it again. Yeah. And you, how are you ever going to know that unless you yeah. actually do it? Like all good experience comes from, from bad. Right? Yeah. You learn. Well, that's in principle, you know, is that yeah, you know, yeah. as, you, as you do. Exactly. So, um, yeah. And you, you must have been incredibly young back then. <laughs> it's like <laughs> four years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was, um, yeah, it was a learning experience, yeah. I'd say. But it was also, I think, as an entrepreneur, I learned, I hate that word, but it's the only way to define myself. But no, it's, it's, it's one thing, I just, I just learned what type of person I want to be and what type of lifestyle I want mm-hmm. uh, and what type of business I want to build. Because stripping that back, um, I don't want to be a CEO. I don't want to have a hundred million pound company. I don't want to like do any of this stuff yeah and um and that's what kind of allowed me to understand what type of entrepreneur like i want to be and i don't want to be the one that's in tech crunch or business insider whatever it is that's not me yeah it's uh you know i think it's interesting what you said about sort of that definition of success we did a podcast recently with fikas shaw on this um topic in terms of what the criteria for success that entrepreneurs feel that they have to to live up to or impose on themselves based on the kind of instagram version of this you're bombarded with this 
um, you know, constant news feed of, you know, you're successful if you've raised X amount of money or you've got X amount of assets or, you know, whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, and it sounds like you've, you've come, you know, you've learned that the hard way um, mm-hmm. that, you, that you went down that pathway and you've paid a very heavy price. And I can imagine how difficult that must have all been um, to give that, you know, to see that business slip away. But you, you took a fairly innovative approach to coming back out of that. Coming back, yeah. So Tell us a bit about um, so I'd say like, that, how you um, forward. Yeah, so the approach of, um, I guess, the change was, um, was, for me, the biggest learning lesson, a biggest lesson, is, um, is knowing when to quit. And um, as an entrepreneur, like you have a you have your ego telling you to keep on going, mm-hmm. and you have your gut saying time up. And those two moments, one was um, in we were the finalist uh, pitching competition in uh, Mobile World Congress, and I took two of my team members, and um, my ego was like, Aman, yeah, this is this entrepreneur thing. This is the down period." You know, just 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 go for it. Whereas my gut was like, just give up. It's 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 over. Mm. It was over a long time ago. And um, where's your passion gone? For it? I think no, my passion. I think it was just uh, a, f- a lot of mistakes you make as a leader, which you just cannot turn around. Mm. That you just need to walk away. Um, but obviously, I like with anything, you always try to fix. Um, can you give us any examples of those? So, yeah. So, so one example was, um, so I'll, I'll give you two examples, actually. One was, um, so firstly, when we, I was in the Mobile World Congress in Barcelona, I got a phone call saying, oh, we got some bridge funding, an extra 50K to keep us going. And I actually was upset because <laughs> uh, I was hoping I wouldn't get that funding. Yeah. Um, it, my gut, like, yeah, my ego was like, yes, we've got a lifeline. But yeah. my gut was like, damn, yeah. another few months of this crap. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then, the, yeah. so, so the biggest lesson for me was, um, was when uh, I went into the office and like all the team was being like super funny with me. And, um, As in super weird? Funny? Super weird, yeah, 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 super weird. And, um, and because I was shall we say, very lean on certain spending habits. Um, I, I don't know, they were all like typing away and I felt like something was going to happen. And then uh, I didn't realise they all made a pact behind my back. Uh, so all the co-founders, everyone back, there was like 12 of them maybe, it was just me. So they all made a pact uh, behind my back and they were like, right, Aman, we want to take you to a meeting room to talk. I was like, what (laughs) okay and then they just said basically it's like 12 against one just criticizing me of how shit I was um how stingy I am you know I'm putting a very bad mood into the company um and yeah just that like they want an increase in their salary when we raise and these were their salary demands, these were mm-hmm. their share demands, equity demands, all yeah. that type of stuff. Trying to hold you to ransom? It, yeah, in a sense. Obviously, I don't want to talk bad about them. Uh, but for me, that was a m- massive learning experience. I remember, actually, I was like very close to crying 
because there's 12 against one. Yeah. And um, can you call that bullying? Sounds like bullying. Bullying. <laughs> Do you know what? I, I, don't, I don't blame them um, because I think they, I am the leader, I'm the CEO. Like, I am supposed to make sure they're happy. Yeah. Um, and they just didn't feel happy. And um, yeah, I remember I was like, fuck, like, <laughs> like yeah. s- trying to hold in the tears. Yeah. And, um, and I remember at a point, I think that was a point where I was like, I can't turn this around. But you know, it's really weird that I actually did still try to turn it around. So a few months later, I was like, I can maybe try and make this work, try and make this work. But deep down inside, it was the ego trying mm-hmm. to make something work. Whereas my gut feeling was like, just give up. Like you should have given up six months ago. Mm. Just give in. It's yeah. over. To feel fast. Yeah, yeah. That whole feel fast thing. So... Yeah, that that was a big experience for me. Was like you, once your team turns against you, you can't you can't turn that around. It's game over. Mm. Um, so that was a big yeah learning experience. And I'm sure a number of lessons came out of that in terms of how to make sure that never happens yeah. again. So obviously a very emotionally uh, hard time. Yeah. Um, but you took some positive actions after that. You saw a Buddhist life coach, I believe, to kind of help you move forward. How did that help? So, yeah, so, f- so for me, I think one of the biggest turning points was... Um, w- so one thing I did was, firstly, was um, I was lucky to be in the ethnic minority entrepreneur uh, category. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so then, uh, yeah, Doesn't I got... use what you got? Yeah, got to use what you yeah. got. Yeah, exactly, to so take advantage of it. And then, um, yeah, I, they had some, like, funding, and that funding was towards, like, a coach. So I thought, you know, this is this is the loneliest period now, so I need a coach. Mm-hmm. And um, because once people start leaving the company, everything starts going downhill, literally you're on your own. Mm-hmm. You're on your own. Your investors don't want to know. No one wants to know. I have no experience on how to close down a company properly because last thing I want is a black name a black mark next to my name. So it becomes a very lonely experience extremely quickly. And um, everyone disappears. Especially after the, like the, you know, everything, like P. Diddy, like all that madness that you were just talking about to go from that to... Exactly, yeah. yeah. And, um, and yeah, everyone, everyone disappears. But I'd say like the other uh, one thing I missed was like um, one of the turning points for me was some one company in LA actually wanted to buy raw mix mm-hmm. and um I thought oh, you know maybe there's a lifeline here and I and you know I'll make good money out of it but then what I think one thing I did I was like I meditated I started getting into meditation and then I got to a whiteboard and I drew two paths to my life mm-hmm. and my happiness and I thought I can continue raw, raw mix and it could potentially be a big company but realistically, I'm probably going to make my money on the exit. Um, or I can turn this side hustle, relax my dog, relax my cat, into something potentially big. And But that money is mine. And that business is mine. Mm. I can do whatever I want. And have that complete like financial freedom. Uh, all right, I might not be in like Forbes as like a £100 million whatever net worth 
But I thought, if I build a business that's worth £10 million and it's mine and I have the freedom, then I'd, I'd rather do that. Yeah. So, um, and that's kind of when I, t- when I took that path. So, yeah, and with the life coach thing, it was, it was quite interesting because um, it was a lot of reflecting on where I failed and um, more about me as a person and how I think and just internally with all the ch- chatter in your head um, was a big, yeah, a big turning point for me. And it, and it was more the fact that I was just approaching business now from a slower pace. Mm-hmm. Because everyone's like, go hard, go fast, whatever, go hard, go home, all that, yeah. all that rubbish. Uh, you know, ten x this, ten x that. Um, but I'm gonna, I was like, I'm gonna take it slow. It's risky, but I'm gonna go at the pace that I'm comfortable with. And um, so far, it's working. Yeah. Yeah. So it really sounds like you've you find your path and you um, know what it is um, or where you're heading. Um, so what is it that you want to achieve, um, both for yourself personally and for, for Petflix? Um, so for me personally, I feel like financially I'm happy now. Mm-hmm. I've got, like, yeah, <laughs> like it, everything's good. Um, but Petflix-wise, um, I want it to be a worldwide brand, a household name. I want every cat and dog to have tried relax my cat or relax my dog. And, um, yeah, that's it. Simple as that. Nice. Yeah. I think you're well on your way from, yeah. from what you've told us today. Yeah. Um, so what about advice for trying to build a business with no investment and going the hard road at your own pace and not, um, I guess, falling foul of the kind of FOMO, entrepreneurial FOMO? Mm. that you talked about what advice would you have on how to do it um so i would say figure out a way to monetize your business from day one or if not monetize parts of the business or if not then monetize your side hustle um to fund the business i think uh, for example everyone knows about airbnb i think they were selling cereal um, to start off with. Really? And yeah. So, right. yeah, they, they sold cereal. I think they called it Obama-O's when, they, when Obama was running for the uh, first time to be president. And they did quite well with that, and that helped them fund Airbnb a little bit. And mm-hmm. then, obviously, uh, they raised money from there. But, um, yeah, I just see, like, a lot of... Um, a lot of hype and, and and the media doesn't help it, especially in Manchester. It's like so and so's raised whatever, so and so's raised whatever. Like I don't think there's much talk about so and so's making whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I really don't pay that much yeah, attention to key difference to the Manchester press uh, that much anymore. But um, yeah, I say like try to monetize or create a side hustle that's easy to monetize Mm -hmm. that can then, um, you know, fund the proof of concept because even if, all right, you probably going to, you're probably not going to raise, but if you have something that's like getting users or or whatever it is doing, then when it does come to raising, you've got a better deal, better deal on the table. 
So, you know, just take it slow. However, obviously on the other side is that risk that someone might jump in a lot sooner. So I can't comment on everyone's market or what they're in. But if you feel like you've got time, then try to try to make money. (laughs) Literally, business is about making money. Yeah. You know, that's it. It's literally well, that's a sustainable business, yeah, isn't yeah. it? It's, it's about customers. Simple as that, yeah. Cash flow. Yeah, and, and, and a lot of people like, you know, get gassed on their like users and whatever it is uh, that they have. But you look behind it, like, are you making money? Yeah. Yes or no? Or have you got a plan to make money? Yeah. And when? Like, are customers paying for your shit? <laughs> if they are not, then your product is shit. Literally, that's you it. Have a yeah. Hobby. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, have a literally. Business. That's it. Like, because it's easy to like, you know, sell a dream to an investor, mm. and you know they'll they'll jump on it, especially if it's cool. It's got something to do with music. Yeah, uh, you know they'll want to feel feel young again. Yeah. So um, yeah, they, they'll jump on it. But at the end of the day, it comes down to like the market determines: are they going to pay for this or not? Mm. It's that simple. Um. To go down that path, you have to have an incredibly strong belief in yourself and your product. And I've heard you pitch um, both at um, the pitch at the Palace down at St. James's Park and um, also at Tech Nation, mm-hmm. um, where you've had a very large audience. And when you start pitching your idea, it, it sends a ripple through the audience. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your kind of tips or suggestions to... Um, entrepreneurs in terms of having that resilience um, because that can I can imagine that can present another obstacle you know for people that are quite often used to telling startups that idea won't work um, but you're creating a new one because of the kind of the, the creative nature of what you're actually doing mm. um, you know how, what would your advice be um, there? Do you, do you know it's really weird like even now my business is, is doing well and mm. I get like laughed at quite a lot um i guess when i was in miami last week I told a few people about my business and they uh, they actually thought i was a stand-up comedian <laughs> they thought i was like rehearsing a gig yeah um at a network event and uh, a networking event and um i think for me i i laugh it off i think if you if you actually believe in your idea um and you know the numbers you're seeing the on the other side yeah yeah exactly yeah, yeah. so i i just laugh it off and i'm you know for me personally now i can back it up because i'm like well you know 20 million cats and dogs used our content last year yeah. and then they're like, oh wow okay um but for obviously for someone that doesn't have numbers um i think if you truly believe in the idea um just just go with it mm. like you should just go with it um and 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 not you don't have to 100% believe in it uh, because everyone's like, oh, find your passion. And then when you find your passion, you're 100% in it. That's not the case. Like you find your passion, maybe 40%. And then the other 60%, the passion finds you. Um, it was the same with Relax My Dog, Relax My Cat. I've been doing it since, what, 2011. Didn't really tell that many people about it. It was just in the background mm. growing. Yeah. Well, the um, focus back then for science for three or four years was raw mix. It was raw mix, yeah, at the same time. Yeah. Uh, and, then, and then that was it. I thought, right, okay, there's a good foundation here. And now is the time for me to, like, go all in. Yeah. And at the time, obviously, raw mix failed. Um, but, yeah, 
just laugh it off. <laughs> Literally, just like, yeah. yeah. People laugh at you. Crack on. Crack on, yeah, that's it. Yeah. It's motivation. So it's been, like, I've thoroughly enjoyed um, listening to you today and getting the, more of the backstory because I've known you for a couple of years now and I've seen how um, Relax My Cat and Relax My Dog has grown. And I have no doubt it's going to be a huge success. And all those people, well, I think my mom would say, well, you'd be laughing on the other side of your face, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so to wrap up then, um, what would be your sort of ultimate uh, top tip to the entrepreneur listeners uh, today? So I'd say my top tip is if you're going to raise money, raise it from your customers, um, not investors. Um, at the end of the day, your customers are the ones that are going to buy your product. Um, so they're the people that you want to be raising money from and just try to stay as lean as possible. And if you can go all the way self-funded, then do that. Amazing. I've really enjoyed this conversation and we hope that that's helped you listening. Anyone that's on that journey considering taking investment or self-funding and trying to take the harder road sounds like longer term that the the benefits pay off for you and and your and your business in the long run we love to hear your feedback and continue to try and answer your questions so please continue to leave your feedback on our soundcloud and itunes um channels but for now we hope that means that you'll get a better night's sleep thank you